My guest today is Gail Swift. I have met Gail on this this page I'm on. I'm not I'm not being endorsed to say to, to talk about Podmatch at all, but I've gone on to Podmatch to find other podcasters and guests and I stumbled across Gail and the 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 thing under her picture says your pattern predicts your path. And as someone who is obsessed with patterns, who has tracked every day of his life since May 21st, 1998, the day I got sober, so that I could see the patterns of success, so that I could begin to track why I fail, why things, to turn failures into lessons, to turn questions into understanding. Gail's profile and reaching out to Gail was specifically so that as educators, we can begin to look at children, our own children, children we're working with, children that parents are going, what the hell is going on with my child? And what I notice about Gail, what I notice about her work is that Yes, you can predict. I love personality typing systems. She and I were just talking about the Colby system. Uh, a lot of my listeners know I've got the entire archetype system, astrology, uh, all of it. I love it because it brings the unconscious conscious about who we are, who our children are, what we can expect because we know what we've seen. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. I am your host, Aaron Huey, thank you, parents, for joining me and joining my guest, Gail Swift. Let's talk about how your patterns predict your path. Gail, welcome to the show. Thank you so oh much. Oh my gosh, it's a thrill, Aaron. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. This is awesome. Uh, so let's let's jump right into the who the heck was Gail and why did she end up doing what she's doing? Let's just start right out with the basics. Of course, we're going to jump right in. Jump we're in. We're pretty much wired similarly. <laughs> so you want to know who I am and why I started doing what I'm doing? Who are you and what the heck are you doing? I'm a Midwest girl in Vegas right now. And I've been working with, I would say, kids and families and schools legally for the last five years. I was a misunderstood kid when I was 15, had some serious troubles and I think one of those could be solved. And so that's why I'm here today is to help break through some myths about brains and capabilities and dispel some, um, I would say, things that people believe that aren't true. So that's why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. Well, that's the biggest thing is you have come along in this work and you're doing the work with kids and the parents are looking for understanding. Do you find a common denominator across this broad spectrum of kids and families you've worked with to say, this is the one thing you can bet. If the parent's asking me this, I can answer with, even, with not even having to look at test results. Yes, absolutely. Are you talking about what that one thing? Yeah. Be? What is it? What is it that you can say to parents? Hey, um, what are, you know, my kids, blah, blah, blah. And you can say, well, yeah. and sound like a psychic right out of the gate. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a psychic. Well, I would have told your parents to lay off him. He can figure it out and he'll always be last minute. Just let him do things at the last minute and he'll pull it out every single time. That's what I would have told your parents if I would have known this information back then. Sure. But now what I know to be true is that everyone is born with an innate pattern for taking action, Aaron. Like it's in them. So when you know it, it doesn't change. Like it's un, 
changing. You cannot move it. It's solid in you as a parent and a kid. So when you know it, you can go with the grain instead of against the grain. You can ask questions over suggestions at any age and any stage. That's what I would say for sure. So know it, first of all, and then I can teach you to go with it. Why is it so hard for the education system, in your opinion, to grok the idea that children learn differently? And we cannot say what success is until we understand the individualized factors of success. Why, why are we still stuck in this? It started out that way started out that way. Teachers need to be organized. They need to be detail oriented and they need to be organized. Sure. They also don't have a need for surprises because they spend so much time planning and researching. They generally don't like surprises and they generally don't like or don't need to have a lot of movement or be outside or by a window or bouncing on a ball, things like that. They don't usually need that. 70% of the teachers are wired one way. Are wired, they always have been because if you have a teacher that's successful, they generally move up through the ranks into the administration. And so the cycle continues. The cycle continues. And so it's been that way since the beginning. It is a, in Colby terms, fact finder, follow through world with teachers. Now let's get into the meat and potatoes of how you help families what primarily what are when we when we talk about you helping families what is it what is the problem that you're helping them solve it could be behavioral it could be behavioral at home it could be what they consider laziness or not motivated it could be it's school they're having trouble they're depressed two days ago i got a call from a dad who was frantic because the daughter was about to switch gears switch majors and she wanted to be a psychiatrist, but that she was freaking out about taking these exams. And I said, I'll work with her right now. Let's get this on track. Cause she had to have the school know by five o'clock. So we did some testing on her right then and there and found out that one line of her Colby suggests she needs to use her hands to succeed Erin. So being a psychiatrist doesn't give you the opportunity to use your gifts and succeed. Right. She still will be a doctor, but every doctor she chose is in her lane of needing to get her hands on the environment. That was the little adjustment that I made. The other ones are just families flat out not getting along. And when you know what's solid about them, that's at least one area I can cover to relax them and let them know this is how everyone is capable. And they are, everyone is capable of solving problems. There's no need to descend your way of solving problems on your kids because they already have a way is it are you finding you you've mentioned colby you and i were talking about colby before we got on are you finding that that is your quintessential tool it's the one you trust know like the most to work with kids or do you have you also established your own process for identifying patterns and being able to predict what's coming next I personally love, I love Colby. I love using it. It's a tool because it doesn't change in a person. It's solid. But you bring up a good point, Aaron, because you need motivation in order to see how someone works. Right. And the motivation is a personality profile. That's the what. So what a student or adult will do is the personality profile. 
how they will do it is the Colby. The families, they come to you, you're, you're, you're looking to help these parents solve a problem. Do these families know they have a problem? Are they, are, or do they just know that there is a problem? My kids got low grades. That's a problem. But are they, are they truly in the know of what this problem actually is? Do they know no, it's not necessarily, they just know there's, there's stress and tension and a disconnect. And so when I help them, I establish everyone's patterns for taking action. Yeah. And usually when there's a difference in how people solve problems, there will be stress. So for example, if a student like you or like me doesn't need a ton of detail to make a decision, but that parent does, and that parent keeps asking, have you checked? Have you rechecked? How many sources have you cited? How many websites have you gone to? What have you read? And the kid's like, I haven't done any of it because I don't need to, Yeah, that could create tension. So I help establish what that looks like. And then we move on from there on how to communicate respectfully what you need to solve that problem. And then as you're so aware, the parents need to trust that pattern of that child. They need to trust that they can do it and pull it out. That's, that's the main thing that seems super hard for parents is to trust it. It's massive. You and I, when we, when we spoke at the beginning, we talked about your experience with suicide uh, on a personal level, on a, on a parental level. When we are working with families whose children have uh, considered suicide, suicidal ideation as an option for solving problems, because that's essentially what suicidal ideation is, is I have another potential way to solve all of these issues right now. And that's just in my life that traumatizes parents. So when you talk about trusting the kid, how do you go about coaching a parent to trust a child who's considered suicide an option or who's considered that drug use makes sense because it's a, a, a way of solving problems? Because we're dealing with families as parent coaches, we're dealing with families who have either been traumatized and now they're fear parenting themselves or B, their kid's strategy has become life and limb. So when we talk about trust, how do you get a parent to say, here's why I know that my kid's strategy is going to ultimately work? Like, how do, how do you help parents make that transition from everything they're doing is leading to this point of destruction, but I can trust it going forward? Okay. First of all, if that child is suicidal, they need to see you first. They need to go to you. <laughs> they need to go to your program first and foremost, above all else. Like life is more important right now at this sure. point. It is sure. triage. That is first and foremost. They need time. Good. I agree with you. It is a cry for help. There is something going on. And my son, who that happened with and to, didn't have an MO that would lead him to have a low self-efficacy at all at all. Um, but there were some other factors involved sure. in a move that contributed to it. Knowing your Colby doesn't save your life. It doesn't save your life. There are many other issues that go into that. So if that child is suicidal, see you take <laughs> some time, back up the lens. Right. And then after a few, whatever amount of time months, see me. Sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> right? Yes. I mean, then then see me because you're able to absorb. You're not able to absorb it when you have to set a timer like I remember doing to your life five minutes at a time. And even sometimes that feels too much. You're like, maybe I can do a minute. Can I hang on for a minute more? Right. There is no way you're going to absorb what I'm telling you or anyone else when you're timing the life by minutes. That's such a great way to say it, to talk about setting the timer. Every parent listening to this show understands what you just said. But because with when when kids go beyond risk, right? Every my kids at risk. Your kid was at risk three years ago. Like every teenager's at, at risk. That being a teenager literally puts you at risk. Now we're dealing with kids who have gone beyond risk. So the parent's nervous system is completely jacked up. Let's say the child's actually back in the yellow again. Let's say they're even heading towards green. They're out of the red. How do you show a parent through the Colby, through your analysis process, that the the child's decision-making strategy can be effective? Actually, I show the child first. Beautiful. So if the child has low self-efficacy, I'll work with I work with him or her, and then I'll explain it to the parent because they need to know that the way they work is absolutely yeah. solid for themselves. And no one can take that away from them, not one person. And teaching them how to stand up for themselves and respectfully request what they need to be the best human being that God made them to be, that's what I would do with a low self-efficacy score. And I would review every one of those four quadrants of how they work in school, socially, and with family, those three categories, and say, this is what this looks like. And then I would talk to the parents And I would say, Johnny or Susie needs this to be most successful. Let's take some baby steps. And instead of suggest that they do this, ask them these specific questions. And the questions that I encourage parents to ask are directly related to how that child works. So for you and I, for you and I, the questions would be, Aaron, how could you make that different than anyone's ever done it before? Right. What kind of spin would you put on it? And oh, by the way, I know that you do things last minute and I'm confident that you're going to get it done because you have always had it done. And I'm so proud of you creating a sense of urgency because you know that you need that to get it done. Being as ADHD as I am, not was, uh, am. If I was to say I used to be HD, then I mean when I was way right there. Like it's it's very, very still uh, uh, a big part of my life in good ways, in bad ways. And for the last few months, my stress level and letting go of some basic daily patterns and routines that I hinge my creative process on have fallen away. Now, let's... Would you read my Colby index as, as an example? Three, three, nine, three, 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 nine, three. What do you want to know about it? Well, as someone who did not grow up in the eighties, the late, the, the, the seventies and eighties being, I was never told I was smart. Uh, I was in special ed classes. I had teachers who were beyond frustrated with me. My parents did very, very well 
my, uh, extremely accepting of who I was, but I also had younger siblings that they also needed to go, Hey, Aaron, shut up. You, you had your turn. It's your brother's turns. And we got really good as at kids at taking turns for things like after school programs and going to get clothes and things like that. So I learned to take turns. Um, but never ever felt successful educationally. So knowing where I am now, which is a healthcare administrator, I didn't go to college, which is I own four businesses because I'm very ADHD and I can, I'm ready to get my next one started and et cetera, et cetera. One of the things that I've recognized about Colby that I want people to hear from you is it doesn't seem like there's a way to read it and not be able to tell someone that they're smart. So Gail, tell me I'm smart and, and prove to me that I'm smart based on this 3393, which essentially looks to the outside like, hey, Aaron, you're really compulsive. Oh, my gosh. It's a good thing this has nothing to do with smarts. This is not a cognitive IQ assessment, right. Aaron. It is how you solve problems. It has nothing to do with brains right. or grades or anything dealing with an IQ. Except that our education system, and I'm from a family of teachers, so yep. all, my, all my family members, please forgive me, because it ain't the teachers, it's the system. This education system has a very clear way of establishing value around a certain type of intellect. Yes, most teachers, generally speaking, I'm gonna throw out a number, you know your number, 3393. Yeah. Most teachers, Aaron, are 8822. We got one, which is the implementer, which is the, the, the implementer is, is the results that I share with teachers, getting things implemented. I got a three where they have a two. That's right. You have one, yeah. one column that is similar to a teacher. Yeah. You don't have a need for a lot of detail to make your best decision. As a matter of fact, three bullets would be great for you. And the reason I'm talking fast is because you can handle it. Yeah. So bullet point for you and you make the best decision. So you start the problem solving process brainstorming. The more ideas, the better. You need freedom to brainstorm. Yeah. And you're going to talk and talk and talk and talk. It's like a whoopee cushion. And I'm like, Aaron, right? Your laughing is not true. Oh my God. Yes. Like all at once, Aaron, if I'm like, okay, I'm going to have you come into the office and in 10 minutes, I want you to brainstorm as many ideas as you can. You're like, da -da -da -da, and you just keep going. You're like on fire. Yeah. And I'm like, and we have 30 seconds to go and you'll come faster and faster and more ideas. That is amazing. So a person at the other end of that spectrum does not need to do that. They don't need to do that. So your problem solving where you start with the green and, and brainstorm and freedom to do things your way yeah. is magnificent. As a matter of fact, that second three and that nine and quick start, if anyone puts you into a box or a rigid system, i.e. a classroom, yeah. you're going to immediately want to know why, what's the point? What good is this going to do? Buck the system. Yeah. If you're telling me to do it one, two, three, four, I'm going to skip around and maybe do two of them. We need people like you to keep the world spinning. We need people like you to keep the world spinning. The problem lies in third grade. When you were about seven or eight years old, 
and you went to school and your teacher started telling you how to sit still, oh how my to God. read, how to follow instructions when all you need to do is freedom to get to the point your way. So if you asked a teacher and you asked Aaron to solve a problem you both wanted to solve, do you think you'll both get there? Ultimately, yeah. Absolutely. The path is different, but you will both get there. The teachers didn't know how you worked. That's the first problem. Therefore, they didn't have confidence in you getting there because they kept trying to do things their way on you. The biggest thing that you just said that I want every parent to hear, to really hear and really take in is this idea that if your child doesn't go your way, they'll never get to where you've gotten. And my my son and my daughter are very different thinkers than I am. Uh, they're very my my daughter has a level of stamina and perseverance with uh, learning in a traditional way, despite her design to be able to learn it the same way I learn it. She can also handle school graduated college. My son will work on essential facts and stay there on one idea, one project for a year until he masters it. That's more like my wife. I can watch a YouTube video about finance and get up on stage and start teaching it. And I will learn more by teaching it because I'm talking through and I feel like I'm tapped into some intellectual hyper consciousness around finance. And then the moment I'm off stage, I will forget everything I just said. Yep. And everybody can learn from me except for Aaron. <laughs> so it's so different and it seems what I have is had two very accepting parents who did say what you said. He'll get there. He'll figure it out. He'll get there. It's not going to look like the way we do it. He'll get it. And I did. And they celebrated me for it. That was my saving grace. But I want parents to hear that. This is not about a carbon copy. In fact, the best thing I ever heard was that kids are our evolutionary step. So let them evolve your DNA in their behaviors, in their thing. But Gail, we're coming back to how do we get the parents of this show into a place of trusting their child's process? For, okay, so after they see you, if they're in triage, they see you, but to trust the process, it's baby steps. Aaron, honestly, if I'm dealing with a 15-year-old, that's 15 years of that's 15 years of parenting. I'm not going to turn around in six weeks. I'm going to tell you that right now. Perfectly stated. Yeah, not going to happen. So baby steps, and I, I check back two weeks, four weeks, six weeks. Like I keep checking back. And the questions over suggestions, allowing that student or child to make age-appropriate decisions that are not harmful to themselves or others. So why can't it be a yes if it's not harming yourself or others or property? That's why can't it be a let's see, let's see how that works. So the trusting is the trusting is this. The kids have a the kids take a like an opting career assessment that I also use with younger ones as a um, field trip. Like you can do tons of field trips. This child is telling you what they're interested in. If they're interested in in um, ceramics or welding or digging. Why don't you go and check those out? 
and encourage it. Watch the eyes get bright. Like, watch the eyes get bright. And then, then you have a prime opportunity to say, oh my gosh, what's so exciting about that? I see that on your face. Tell me about that. Like encourage that bright eyes. So when you see what they love, that's where the trusting comes in. Putting them in a position where they're excited, then you can see their trust build with the questions. Does that make sense? It does. The, the, one of the thing about the, the Colby thing and that, and that people who use it like you do is the, the realization and the explanation to people that there are, as, as, as I'm oversimplifying what I'm about to say, is that Colby says there are 12 ways to solve problems. 12. And that's the first little left hook that I think parents get is that, wait a second, because there's my way and then there's my kid struggling way. And it's automatically that if it's not mind, if it's not the teachers, which is only maybe two, then the other 10, if I don't know what they are, it's going to look like struggle. It's going to look wrong. It's going to look like some strategy that this 15 year old kid made up. And I, like I said, I believe that's the first left hook of what Colby says. Hey, no, there's actually 12 ways to solve this problem. Aaron, can I tell you an example, two examples of life like before Colby and after Colby with yes. my kids? So my younger son is not like you or I, actually my older son, he needs to finish everything he starts. Yeah. And I know that because of how he took his Colby. And I know that that second line, you have a three, you don't need to finish anything you start. No. <laughs> you can have 10 projects going. And I, I currently have... Oh, I took yeah. my list down. Uh, one, two, three, four, five projects in addition to the treatment center and the real estate going on right now. That is my current life. Right. Six right. with this podcast. Yeah. That, yeah. And obviously that's just the way it goes. And yeah. now, I mean, maybe one of them is going to finish, but who knows when? Maybe. Not, a, not a big deal. That's just how you are. Not that's at all. That's how I am too. <laughs> and my other son, <laughs> what? I'm just, I'm like, it's like, it's like feeling justified feeling yeah. acknowledged, feeling accepted, feeling like, oh yeah, you're not going to finish any of those. Maybe one of them, no. but it's fine. And I'm just like, oh my God, like somebody understands, somebody gets it. Don't even try. Don't <laughs> even try to plan. No, I'm serious. Because when you pick the one you're going to do, you're going to do it in rapid time yeah. right now. Yeah. Let's go. Nothing else is getting in my way. Yeah. So that's just the way you're going to be. But with my older son, he was 11 years old and the grill came to the house. It was a gas grill and he wanted to put it together. There's the motivation. He wants to put it together. Right. We've got an 11 year old that wants to put a gas grill together. Normally parents wouldn't allow 11 year old to put a gas grill together. So I know his Colby and I said to my husband, who's a little nervous and I said, hey, I know he is the only one in the family that will finish this. No one else is gonna finish it. So it's August in Vegas, it's 100 and who cares at that point. <laughs> He's out there with hot mitts and He's going through the pages. It's like a big Lego. So he comes in. He's like, mom, I made a mistake. Now I have an opportunity. I could either say, I knew, or I could say, what did you do about it? Yeah. What's your plan B? And I asked what his plan B is, Aaron, because he needs a plan. So he said, I just backed up a few pages and redid my work. I went out there, brought him provisions, moved garbage out of the way, Four and a half hours later, he put the whole grill together. Yeah. 
I would not have allowed him to put the grill together had I not known how he works. <laughs> Flat out, I just wouldn't. My son, we're hiking. He's 10. My other son at the time, we're hiking. We get lost in the mountains. I know he has a need. He has a need for physical risk. He's very, very good with directions, where we are. He's 10. My whole family's there. We're lost. I'm like, Tyler, get us out of here. And he did. He did because he knew where he was. No one else was keeping track and he knew how to get down. Again, who in their right mind is going to ask a 10-year-old, <laughs> get him off the mountain? But because I knew how he worked, the other thing that can happen is judgment can creep in. So I've got an engineer and I've got a construction worker for kids. They room together and the engineer would make his bed every day. The construction worker, if I tell him, Tyler, go make your bed. You know what he'd do, Aaron? He'd go in, fly the covers up over the top, and he'd come out and he'd put his hands on his hips. Mom, I made my bed. You want to see? Yeah. So I go back and see what he did. And he's like, I made my bed my way. Yeah. That's what you taught me. So parents, is the point that your kids do things at all or do things your way? When I have guests on the show, like Gail Swift, helping parents, supporting parents with everything that's going on, with the questions that parents have, with the struggles that they're going through, it just reminds me every time I do one of these podcasts that if we don't resource, if we don't get out there and do our work as parents to learn as much as we can, we're going to miss our children's strategies. We're going to miss their way. And the you cannot get yourself into a place where you can take the time and have the brain power to embrace a strategy that's different from yours unless you're actually taking care of yourself. And the most practical way of taking care of yourself when you are parenting a child who is struggling is support. The podcast, this, this show, and of course other podcasts. Go listen to every parenting podcast, most especially this one mine, because it, it's awesome. But then parenting teens that struggle on Facebook, it's a it's a private group I put together for parents of teens that struggle. I moderate the group and it's parents out there asking questions. I'm responding, other parents are responding. It's a gigantic 1200 parent support group of parents who are going through exactly what you're going through. Also, I want you to go to brabapp.com, B-R-A-B app, A-P-P.com for $37. I have an app for you for parents that is everything I have ever taught parents in the last 20 years of working with families. It is a 56 episode course pulled into three different quadrants, the red, the yellow, and the green. When things are full stop, that's your red. When we're at at-risk stuff, that's your yellow, the warning signs. And then green, when things are good and you want them to go great. It's called brabapp.com. It's $37 for 56 classes. Get support, get the help, whether it's free like this podcast or the Parenting Teens at Struggle page, whether it's low cost like my Brab app, do everything you can do before you have to pay the high cost of treatment. Because as someone who's run a treatment center for 15 years, I can tell you, treatment ain't cheap. You wanna know what's cheap? Prevention. So get out there, get connected, take care of yourself. 
find people like Gail who are going to help you understand what's going on. And speaking of that, let's get back to Gail and more understanding. We're going to keep talking about how your pattern predicts your path. Gail, I want to I wanna talk about these 12 things because really one of the things that I love about the Colby test, and people use it for business, for personality typing, it's a popular one. I like it. I have, I have a whole personality typing system about the archetypes and stuff that right now is really popular in the Philippines of all places and, and being used for business, whether your employees or your, your uh, employers are warriors, wizards, jesters, and bards. But this has broken up the problem solving into 12 simplify adapt stabilize envision explain maintain modify restore strategize systemize improvise and protect when i see this this 12 quadrant thing that you sent me last night and i know my numbers three three nine three the numbers aren't better or worse. And my brain automatically wanted to go, well, threes are low and nines are high, which is dumb, but it's just an instantaneous. And this is what I meant about no matter where you end up on this chart, you put simplify, adapt, improvise, and envision, which are mine together. And you're like, oh, well, that's why he's going to do well. So if your kids strategize, maintain, improvise, and envision, you're just designed for a different type of thing. And that's what I love. There's no failure on this. There's, there's only winning here. Yes. The only difference between a one and a 10 is time. Time spent in that area. That's the only difference. Wow. So this is, this is part of the habit that you're talking about. The, what do you mean the habit? Well, I, my, the, as you say, you know, the, the three simplify, Everything. Right. I want to simplify everything. Right. And, and, but you're saying that the more time I spent doing that reinforces my desire to do that. No, no, no. I mean oh. that the only difference between the length of the lines is time spent in that mode. In Does fact, find, yeah. So in fact, finding mode, I'm willing to give it about a three. Right. <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. I don't need any more facts. I got the gist. No. <laughs> so most of your time is spent brainstorming and idea generating and creating and oh, starting the improvise i yeah love the improvise process i could do right, that so, all day right well then you're in your lane i call that being in your lane yeah you're doing what you do and your path simply predicts what you do how could any of us not be successful if we had people who acknowledged our style of problem solving and showed us which lane to get in i <laughs> It makes sense to me. <laughs> what is your strategy for getting a parent off of the, well, my kid is just going about this all wrong to I'm holding my kid in the wrong lane. I got to get them into another lane. What's your quick solve for getting a parent out of their habit of boxing their own children in? Yeah. You know what? Parents, you need to be ready to release the grip. There's going to be some pain and I'm not going to lie. There's going to be some pain. I give you an example like this. If you picture a balloon full of confetti, like amazing, irritating confetti that people send you in birthday cards, full of confetti, and the balloon keeps traveling down. And as soon as it's going to hit the bottom and pop, you put your hand out to protect it from popping. 
but it's only when it pops that you see what it's made of. Oh, Carlos Castaneda says no great change comes without pain. Right. Like we, we grow through discomfort. And it's the popping that the parents keep preventing by like protecting. And I, for me, Aaron, I'd rather have them pop under my roof than outside of my roof. So I can walk with them through the pain and not have it happen when I'm not around. Why not? And I started to produce an arrogant child by putting him in situations where he would succeed all the time. Then he started to think he was the best at everything. Right. Like me, I used to think that way. Like if everyone did things my way, wouldn't that be a better place? And the answer is no, absolutely not. It takes all kinds to make the world go round. And I have respect for the way I work and others because I'm not meant to do it alone. And neither are you. When people decide that they want to work with you, do they show up with their Colby scores or do you get them? Yeah, they contact me through whatever entity and then I send it to them. I don't charge any more for the Colby. It's my time. It's what I've been trained to do. And it's a process. It takes three to six months. You talked about at the beginning that there was an original Colby test and that you were on the on the committee for the for the new version. Yeah. Talk about that for a second, because Colby's been around for a while. It has. I've known my number since 1991. Yeah. I had Tourette syndrome growing up. My parents thought I was whacked out crazy. And they're like, you need to take a Colby test. And so I did. <laughs> and I actually went to certification and I flunked. I flunked certification. Someone paid for me to be Colby certified and I flunked out. And I had to spend six months reading and writing and doing Colby A's on my dime and getting a handle on it. So after that, for about another year and a half, I love working with kids. I love working with youth because honestly, a 60, 65 year old millionaire who's lost his health and his family because he's gone against a grain, like that just hurts my heart. So I'd like to try and get a hold of kids and empower them. So that's why I work with youth. But I was, working with youth, um, but I wasn't necessarily trained. So I got my hand slapped for that and I got a hold on Gail. We're gonna have an accreditation. Kathy's picking a few people. And I'm like, am I gonna be on the list? And there's, I don't know, we'll have to see. It's gonna come out in a little bit. And so I was, and there were 12 people that were picked all over the world to be able to work with three-year-olds and up. And the way that we work with three-year-olds is a bag of toys. So we send out a bag of toys and there's a video camera over the shoulder of the child. And the instructions are make something amazing. So the way that child handles the stuff in the bag and how long they play with it, what they do with it, we're able to decide what striving behavior is or playing if they're just kind of dinking around. We have to identify striving behavior, trying, because the only way your number is going to come to fruition, the only way you're going to kick it in, Aaron, is when it's a crisis. If it's not a crisis, you're not going to kick it in. Right. So if you were a three-year-old doing this bag of tricks and you were like, okay, and then the parents said, okay, we have 30 seconds left, then watch you go. You're going to go and you're going to put together an amazing piece of something and then we're going to identify your quick start talent. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, totally. And yeah. and regardless of what the toys were, I would have probably set those toys in battle with each other. 
because crisis is how I have always learned. I always do my best work in crisis. When the, when the, when the shit hits the fan, my brain goes, okay, finally my turn. Right. Every other time I, my brain's like, I don't know how to do this part. What do you mean? I got to sit down and write a budget. This sucks. But a kid starts screaming, crying and, and talks about their trauma. My brain's like, Oh yeah, I got this. No, no, everybody quiet. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Right. And it's just, again, but the best part about this conversation, Gail, and talking to you has been the experience of being validated for who I am and how I think. And there's not a person on this planet who wouldn't want that. Not one. That is the number one word people used to describe this as validating. Number one word. How do, how do parents find you? As, as we're coming around the end here, I want to make sure people have access to you. How do parents find you? So Gail at plans to prosper coaching.com, but I dare someone to use my phone number. Do it. 608-833-5482-608-833-5482. Plans to prosper coaching.com. And then yes. your social media handles you out there for people to bother. I am not entirely, but I have a little bit of a presence. Okay. Yes. So they just find you with your name, Gail Swift. Yep. Say your phone number again. 608-833-5482. What is besides validation, besides someone walking away from a session with you and feeling validated, what is the thing you expect pretty consistently of someone who comes, does work with you and starts to experience their own and their child's Colby index? Tears. Yeah. Relief. A lot of tears, regret sometimes, wish I would have known this earlier. Why doesn't everyone do this? Why doesn't, why don't schools take this? Can you talk to my teacher? Can you talk to my coach? (laughs) Wow. And just, I would say appreciation for knowing it when they do. And three is the youngest you can go, or have you guys found a way to go younger than three? Um, no, three is the youngest that we can go. We need two sets of eyes on kids, Aaron, because it's the words, the words that we use with kids are just so important and we need to make sure that we're right. And so two sets of Colby consultants look at each of those videos and it doesn't matter um, if they're autistic. It doesn't matter if they speak English. You don't need to speak English. It can be any language because it's a bag of toys and it goes from three to 103. So it's just important that we get it right, for sure. Last advice for parents who have looked at their kids' strengths and realized that school is not gonna fulfill this, this process of validation. Find a way to keep the bright eyes and the curiosity moving. And what they love is imperative. So having hobbies or having things after school they can look forward to that they absolutely love and fills their tank allows them to sit through what they have to during the day. Or you can pull them out and I can brainstorm on alternative ways of learning. My guest today has been Gail Swift. You gotta, you gotta go check her out. Uh, yeah, this, this process, I can, I tell you, I hope you guys could hear it in my voice during this, but again, feeling validated 
through a childhood of failures that the way I do things is the way I should do things. Not the way you should do things or my children should do things or my wife should do things, but the way I should do things. That's the best part of having a, a Colby Strengths test done. As always, I want to thank Deepin Productions for producing the podcast, for creating the music, for doing all the edits and editing out all my, um, and I want to thank Your Cause Consulting for making sure this podcast is getting in front of the right people. Parents, make sure you take care of yourselves first, your adult relationship second, and your children third, because that's how you do your best work with your children. And lastly, I want to thank Gail for coming on and just making me feel good. I got a lot of work to do today and I got a ton of work I don't want to do at all tomorrow, but I'm going to simplify, adapt, improvise, and envision my results and it's going to work just fine. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Please listen, like, subscribe, and share with friends and family who need the support.